While the government wants to send another $40 billion to Ukraine, babies all over America are literally starving because of a nationwide formula shortage. Also, today we'll check back in with the Supreme Court protests and a church or churches are now apparently sponsored by Planned Parenthood. I'm Ed Odegaard. This is Church Public. Welcome back to Church Public. I am Matt Odegaard, and I thank you for joining me here today. If you haven't already, go ahead and like, subscribe. If you find this helpful, please share it with one friend so that you can get the word out so that we can know what it means to follow Jesus and go out into the public square and live really like a Christian and not just hiding away or becoming like the culture. And of course, if you do feel like supporting, you can go to the support tab at churchpublic.com. Okay, a couple of things going on today. And unfortunately, I guess I have to start with this story where I didn't even realize a church could be sponsored by Planned Parenthood, but apparently now you can. When that brief leaked, we knew there was more we could do. And so we contacted our dear friend and partner, Juliana Serrano, at Planned Parenthood of Pasadena in San Gabriel Valley, which is on the front lines of this battle, and asked, what can we put on a banner that would most help for a church to say at this moment? And Juliana responded immediately, and she said, abortion is health care. That's it. It's that simple. Is it? Is it that simple to say that? Killing a child is health care for somebody. I mean, again, I'm not going to go in and through this whole thing again, but when you're dealing with one body, one person, okay, any procedure you do can be health care. When you're dealing with someone else's body uh, and the termination of that life, again, not health care. It just it, it makes me sad and mad and frustrated that a church thinks, what's the first thing we can do to support somebody is say that murdering babies is what you should do. Abortion is healthcare. Anyway, and then we also have this uh, pastor question mark where uh, they, if you're not watching, this is a pastor who is modeling the new Planned Parenthood church merch. I I don't know what to call this. So uh, this pastor is wearing a pink Planned Parenthood tippet. Uh, Tippet, if you're not familiar, is that like shawl scarfy thing that some people wear. This is the evangelical, I'm sorry, the um, Lutheran Church of America. And uh, her pronouns, this pastor's pronouns are she, they. She is self-described as a bi-furious graduate of the Lutheran School of Theology at Chicago. So... I guess don't go to college there. Uh, that's really all of the silliness on that that I can handle for today. But we, we need to turn to this sad topic of the day because there really is serious. I mean, that is serious because I don't like when theology goes all wonky and sideways. Again, I live by this very simple rule. This is going to sound overly simple, but I'm going to give you this rule. You can choose to use this rule. You cannot use this rule. This is up to you. And this rule only applies if you are following Jesus, if you want to be a Christian. If you just want to live however you want, if you want to be an atheist, if you want to go your own way, as some singers have sung, 
you fine, do whatever you want. Like you can do whatever you want, but there are consequences to actions in life. That, that's what the left and the progressives keep like forgetting about. Sure, you can invent whatever world you want, and you can create rainbows and unicorns and and live by them and fly off into into forever. Uh, the problem is we actually live in reality, and all of your imagination is wonderful and sometimes nice to see in movies, but in reality, sometimes those things have consequences or just don't work for reals. So I'm going to give you my really quick, really brief advice for how to live as a Christian. This is going to be shocking to some, I know, but but we got to get we got to get to this because I highlight those stories just to show that some people aren't doing this and claiming to be Christians. And that really is like the foundation, the baseline of everything that I talk about. It really is. This is how simple it is. And you're, this is going to be shocking. I know. Here we go. Read the Bible and do what it says. That's it. I'm done. I could like I could I could press end there and we could we could be done. You could go on with your day because really that's all you need. You don't even need me. You don't you don't need anything else. Read the Bible. Do what it says. That that's it. It's really that simple. But for some reason uh, we we struggle with this and we're going to talk about another politician who quotes the Bible uh, not correctly and and we got we got to point these things out because apparently people don't read the Bible. They don't know what it says. They don't really understand. Uh, it just, it drives me crazy. Anyway, so, but I do want to talk about news too, because this is an important news, and it's an important news story because it contrasts two different things, and this is the important deal. There is a national shortage of baby formula in America, and this is a real problem with real victims, namely babies. And babies, again, the reason that I harp on abortion the whole time is, and, and, and so, with so much fervency, is they cannot take care of themselves, and therefore we are supposed to take care of them, and parents are supposed to take care of their own babies. That's just how this world works. Again, getting back to reality and the nature of how things just are supposed to be. Read Romans 1 again. At any rate, the this issue has real consequences. There, there are real issues when babies cannot get enough food, and you can come back and say, well, mothers should be able to take care of it and natural things and all this. I, I get it, but as, as a father, I know I've never dealt with it personally, but I did uh, have, my, my wife had four babies in five years, and so sometimes there's just uh, not enough supply, and you got to go to formula, and, and this is the reality of life for a lot of people. So when the country runs out of formula for various reasons, which we're going to look at, that's a big, big problem. And then when the country says, instead of fixing this formula problem, which actually is going to have consequences like babies starving and potentially worse, and instead wants to give $40 billion to another country in a war that we keep saying we don't want to be in, that seems like a discrepancy to me. So let's first, let's look at the CNN. CNN finally comes out and talks about this. They say, for months, stores nationwide have been struggling to stock enough baby formula. Manufacturers say they're producing full capacity and making as much formula as they can, but it's not enough to meet current demand. The out-of-stock rate formula. So here's here's the thing that is, it, I, if you didn't hear this, this is shocking. So in the first half of 2021, so a year and a little bit ago, the out-of-stock rate was between 2 and 8%. And that actually is fairly bad. Like, it shouldn't be that high. The, the, the numbers shouldn't be that high. But from there, being out-of-stock 2 to 8%, it went up a crazy amount. Uh, it went up all the way to 31% somewhere at the end uh, of, of 2021, November through April. And now it's gone up even more. It's gone up to somewhere in the 40% rate. And in some states, 
like Iowa, South Dakota, North Dakota, Missouri, Texas, Tennessee, it's up like 50% uh, and, and, and mostly sold out. This is, this is a really big problem. I'll show you this chart again if you're not watching. Like, It just goes up and up and up. This is one of those charts that just is up and, and to the right, and that's not how you want these kinds of charts, right? So uh, seven states, as I mentioned, between 40 and 50% are out of stock, and some have even less than that. And I can say even anecdotally, like I, I went to the store the other day, and I'm, I'm out of the stage where I need this, so it doesn't affect me personally, but it does affect me at, you know, corporately as a community, right? Uh, I, I was just looking for some other things in a store and I just happened to know that this was going on. And so I, I popped in and it the this, this shelf was empty. The, it was a big box store and the shelf in that big box store had like three of the cans. And if, if you have kids or have had kids, you know the little cans. Like there were none. There were none, no cans uh, in, in the store. Um, this is not the picture that I took, but this is another picture of Target, Walgreens, CVS. Um, just not having anything on a shelf that should just be stocked. So the question that we have to ask is, why is this happening? Is this about the pandemic? Um, one of the suppliers, Abbott, recalled three of their products because of possible bacterial, bacterial contamination. Uh, and currently, the FDA is not allowing the plant to reopen. And they say even once it reopens, the plant will take six to eight weeks to get product back on the shelves because you, know, you have to ramp up production and that whole deal. However, according to the Daily Mail, the FDA did a thorough investigation and Abbott and the FDA revealed, quote, infant formula produced at our Sturgis factory, that's where, the, where it's made, is not the likely source of the infection in the reported cases and that there was not an outbreak caused by products from the facility, end quote. So what do we have? We have the FDA saying, we're not going to let you open your factory yet. There is a emergency problem across America with these moms not being able to get food for their babies and the FDA is, I don't know, stalling, waiting. And then it compounds too. Apparently in Europe, there is another brand, another formula of formula that has yet to, there, there's, there's much available, millions of things available uh, at that millions of babies in Europe use every day. So it's clearly safe. Like they're, they're not dying on mass because of this. It's, it seems fine. Uh, but the FDA has not yet approved that formula for whatever reason. And so we can't import more from there either. We could we could solve it that way too. But again, government agency is saying, no, we're not going to be able to do that. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on here. And I don't know all the details. I don't think anybody knows all the details. That is part of the problem. Who is asking questions? Where have you seen this? Like until this CNR, CNN article that I showed you, um, I, I hadn't seen this on on almost any news site and and just just recently the news sites are starting to pick up on this but it's been a problem as i mentioned like the the first clo closure was back in september but even back at the beginning of last year in 2021 we were seeing the supply start to go down and because i'm not in this every day my kids are are past that age i didn't notice it that much and then all of a sudden I'm starting to hear about it. And it's really a big deal. It's really a big deal to have mothers not able to feed their children in America for a problem that seems like it could be solvable. It could be solvable if the powers that be decide to aim their attention and information at this. So that's when you hear things like the government wants to send more billions to Ukraine for a war that we keep saying we don't want to be in and don't want to be part of because we don't want this World War III. 
And I'm not saying that Ukraine is not bad. I'm not saying Putin is not bad. Putin is bad. The things that he's doing are bad. But how much are we going to invest in them? And how much are we going to invest in us? So the discrepancy that I see is not an either or. It's a, hey, yeah, it's it's a problem over there. And, and maybe there are ways we can help. Is pouring money into it the best way to help? Um, that's a that's a question. That's a question to be debated and to to be worked out. But I can say that there is a problem in America with this formula issue. Like that is a specific problem that probably could have a solution if the government would point its resources toward it. And so far, the government has not decided to do that. So one of the reasons that I even wanted to talk about this today is we need to know about this and we need to talk about it and we need to put pressure on people to do something about it. Like this has the potential for a lot of uh, babies that are starving and and that is sad and should be sad to us we we should really we should really be thinking about this and trying to figure out what to do about it so then you come to nancy pelosi quoting jesus out of context we'll just we'll just hear we'll just hear this here we go the brutality of putin is not just what he's doing in ukraine but the impact that his that it is having on food for the world so when you're home thinking, what is this all about? Just think about when I was hungry, you fed me in the Gospel of Matthew. Okay, so she kind of almost got the, the quote right there. Um, actually, that's, that's one of the most terrifying verses in the Bible, short of some of the Revelation stuff, because... What's actually happening is Jesus is talking about sheep and goats, and he's talking about those that follow after Jesus and those that don't follow after Jesus. And when you follow after Jesus, whether you know you're serving Jesus or not, when you do the right thing, especially when you take pity and care for those poor and those that cannot take care of themselves, which is why I keep coming back to babies who can't take care of themselves, when you do that, then Jesus knows that you have taken care of the poor. You fed me even when I didn't know, or even when you didn't know that you were doing service to the Lord contrasting that he also says when you didn't take care of me when you didn't clothe me when you didn't look out for me uh that that turns into a bad thing where he says basically like go away uh because you didn't you didn't you didn't follow after me and, and you didn't serve me in that way this is what jesus is talking about um and here's the deal, right? The amount of the 40 billion that's actually going to go to taking care of the people in Ukraine is, is fairly low. The amount of it that is going towards weaponry and other things is fairly high. So are we really talking about feeding people? And, and are we really talking about taking care of people with this? Uh, it, it's, it's, rather, it's rather frustrating for people to quote the scripture out of context and especially to use it in that way and then it also makes me frustrated that we cannot as a country or perhaps more malevolently we will not take care of our own while spending literally uncountable dollars billions and billions and billions of dollars to fund a war overseas that apparently according to the same people we don't want to be in anyway but clearly somebody wants to be in because it is making somebody a bunch of money and that's a whole conspiracy to go down that I'm not going to right now. The point that I want to make is this contrast. <laughs> if you're going to say you care about people and you want to feed people and you want to take care of people while we literally will have babies starving in America based on government issues like the FDA and, and government policies, like all of these shutdowns that they did, 
then I, I, I'm struggling to believe that you really believe that verse, that you really care, that you really want to take care of people. And that's the bottom line. Like, are we really going to take care of people? Are we really going to serve people? Are we really going to look out for their interests above our own? That's a qualification that uh, I think she forgot to mention in there. Anyway, and I have to say this too. Remember as well, when you hear the news, the politicians, the celebrities, everybody say this shortage is because of the pandemic, I want you to remember and not forget that that's actually a lie. This and many other consequences to our society, to our economy, are not coming from a virus. The virus did not shut down the factories and the businesses and the restaurants and the churches. The government policies shut all of these things down. And now we know even self-appointed virus guru Bill Gates admits this virus was much more like the flu than he originally thought. You can go and look up his quotes that he just did in a CNN interview recently. Don't take my word for it. This is what he said again. So remember, these government policies are what caused all of this in the first place. And we have to pay attention to that when people say, well, if this virus wasn't so bad, we wouldn't be in this place. That's not it. We were shut down because the government would not allow us to go to work, to do all these things, and we need to remember that and not let them make us forget. So let's move on from that. Here's an update on the Supreme Court intimidation protest policy. I made up that whole phrase, but I thought it sounded good. At any rate, this is what's going on. We heard the leak about the draft decision for the Mississippi versus Dobbs case. I've talked on and on about that in some previous episodes. You can go to churchpublic.com or any of your podcast providers to listen to those if you want some of the details about that actual decision, the policy, Roe versus Wade, etc. But what I want to talk about in the update is clearly this leak was leaked by the left to intimidate the five Supreme Court justices who ostensibly have signed on to overturn Roe versus Wade and to intimidate them to not do that. And so we have protesters showing up in front of their houses, some of them with kids home, to intimidate them into making different decisions. And as we discussed yesterday, it's actually illegal and a federal crime to protest outside of the home of a judge or a justice of any court. But the Biden administration says, well, that's okay. Just just do it anyway. So that there's an outrage right now, I guess, about uh, protests that have been peaceful to date. And we certainly continue to encourage that outside of judges' homes. And that's the president's position. So just hear the words that were there. They've been peaceful to date. So we're just going to keep encouraging them. <laughs> just just a reminder. I mean, I know I know this brings us back to the to the fiery, uh, but mostly peaceful uh, protests of, of a, a few months ago. But but just as a reminder, as I mentioned the other day, this is against federal law. So the, the administration is super confused on this. The other day, I played a clip for you where Psaki said that I don't know what our official policy on this is because we don't have an official policy on whether you can protest outside of judges' homes. And, and as I mentioned and pointed out, you can go and look this up for yourself. The federal law, Title 18, Section 1507, of the U.S. Code of Conduct clearly states it's unlawful to protest near a, quote, residence occupied or used by a judge, juror, witness, or court officer with the intent of influencing the discharge of his duty, end quote. So this quote from Jen Psaki, that we just continue to encourage that the protests be peaceful, the question is, when does this go from peaceful to not? Like, what are you talking about? One, it is actually against the law, but two, 
are these protests really peaceful? When are they not peaceful? When the children of a justice are threatened and intimidated in their own home? That's happening. When the justice is intimidated because of their family's safety to change the decision on a court case, which clearly is the intent, or when a pregnancy center in Wisconsin or Illinois is firebombed, which has actually happened. And I know that's a separate issue, but they're burning down or at least attempting to burn uh, pregnancy centers that want to help the women who may not want an abortion and may want to uh, have their child come to term and, and give birth to their child and they're struggling and, and we need to help these people. Oh, wait, instead, let's just burn the pregnancy care center down. That seems very loving to this party that keeps saying, well, just love your neighbor. Not to belabor the issue, but it is a federal crime, and this is clearly an intimidation tactic. I mean, what is the reason to show up at someone's house? The only reason to show up at somebody's house, to protest them, to yell at them, to say, you need to vote our way, it's to send the message that we know where you live, you must do what we say, or else. Or else what? Well, that depends on how fast you do what we say, right? I mean, that's the only reason you show up at a justice's house you want to influence them and make them do your way this is literally textbook mob rule and one not what the founders intended but also really a bad way to govern like again i, I think i said this the other day but tell me a time when the mob that picked up pitchforks and and torches ended up doing a good thing not a lot of examples of that so, in other news, the Senate voted to hear a bill intended to codify Roe v. Wade into federal law. Now, again, what we're talking about is the Supreme Court ruling on Mississippi v. Dobbs. Go back again to churchpublic.com or, or your podcast provider at Church Public to hear all about this, this leak, the ruling that is upcoming in the next few weeks. So, in the meantime, the Democrats have proposed this bill, the Women's Health Protection Act, intended, as they state, to codify Roe versus Wade into federal law. Just as, and you can go and read the act, uh, I actually wouldn't recommend it because it's long and boring, but hey, feel free if, if you have some time on your hands or want to take a nap. It, but I must say some of the things contained in it are the most radical pro-abortion legislation ever passed with abortion uh, to this point. It allows abortion through the full nine months up until literally the second before birth. Um, I, it's not specifically stated in there, but what it states is in the third trimester that it's up to the doctor if the woman's health is at risk that they can perform any kind of abortion. And because now health, quote unquote, is defined as mental health as well, that if they deem a woman's mental health is at risk for any reason, then you can also have an abortion. So you can see where that goes. So functionally, that is... I don't feel good about this, so abortion up until nine months or the moment before birth. I mean, it's super clear as you read through the legislation that was proposed. So it was put to a vote. And again, as the Senate works, in, in case you don't quite understand the process, right, they have to vote to vote on it. I know that sounds clumsy, but it's just this, again, in the system of checks and balances, which we have as a country, which is good in the system of checks and balances, you want slowness to make sure that we're doing good laws. Anyway, the vote happened. The vote was 49 to 51 with every single Republican voting against this bill, joined by one Democrat, Joe Manchin. Manchin even remarked that this bill is, quote, it is not Roe versus Wade codification, it is expansion, end quote. In other words, 
the Democrats were proposing that this is just Roe versus Wade as a court decision, but put into actual law. Manchin correctly points out, as I mentioned, this is not Roe versus Wade, which had, again, I've been on and through this and I won't go into it too much, but it says that you can have abortion up until the point of viability, which as a concept keeps changing. So that's a whole nother thing. So it clearly, as Manchin points out, is an expansion. If this new bill says there's no viability concern, it doesn't matter. Whenever you want to, if the baby is in the womb, dispatch that baby. That's what this bill ultimately says. And and there will be arguments against that, but prove me wrong. Like that That's what it says. Even Majority Leader Schumer said the vote was never going to pass anyway because they needed 60 votes to move to the next stage. And that's this whole filibuster uh, thing that we've been talking about. I won't go into that too much today, but they weren't even close. The point is they weren't even close. In fact, they didn't even get a majority. Schumer went on to say he knew this wouldn't pass. And he said this was just going to be a purely political statement about who is pro-abortion and who is pro-life, which it clearly made the point. And of course, what you're going to see then coming up into this election campaign is they're going to pour all of this gasoline and say all of these Republican senators hate women and just want to take rights away from women, right? Those are the talking points and, and women's health care and all these things. And my suggestion, which none of them have to take or, or, or anything, would be to go the opposite way and say, no, we believe in the right to life, especially for women, especially for baby women. Half of the babies are women, so we want them to live too. And the little baby boys. Maybe all babies should just be able to live and not be killed. Seems pretty fair to me. So from there, you heard countless shrieking heads, and I'm sure you'll hear more of it today, about how the members of the Senate did not follow the majority of the country. But I just want to point out, again, I feel like I say common sense all the time. As a point of reference, the Senate is directly elected to represent the country. And in fact, as this vote implies, the Senate did not vote for this bill as a majority. So clearly, the majority of the country does not support this. And, and yet they keep trying to say the majority of the country supports abortion. Uh, but what, but they don't. And, and there's a lot of reasons for why sometimes polls say that. I'm not going to get into that right now. But by this vote alone, 49 to 51, the majority of the country does not agree with this because these are our country representatives. Vote for somebody else if you want somebody else. But this is how the vote went. Uh, some would call that uh, irony or whatever. But let's move on. Even pro-choice Republicans, which I think should be an oxymoron, whatever, Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski voted against this legislation, pointing to their stance on only having abortions up to the fetal viability standard line. That's that Roe thing that we were talking about. But of course, that also is basically made up because that changes by the amazing science and medicine that we have now that the fetal viability keeps getting lower and lower. So that standard line is basically made up. Is a baby alive? Is a baby a baby? Uh, again, go back to any middle school biology textbook. Does conception actually create a life? The answer, of course, is yes, but you can go check your biology textbook from middle school if you doubt me on that. So at any rate, I'll, I'll wind this up and say we will take small victories in the pursuit of saving baby lives, and we will continue to pray for the justices that are literally in danger to have the courage to stick to their convictions about the constitutions. And we continue to pray for those mothers who are at wit's end, not knowing where they will find food for their newborns. And we will pray for those mothers to be who are struggling with what comes next and feeling the societal pressure to just get an abortion because it's easy. 
We pray instead that these mothers-to-be see the miracle of creation that God has done in their very body to create a new life that moves this very society into another generation. As always, I hope you stand strong in your convictions, rooted in Christ Jesus, no matter the storms of life that come your way. And for Church Public, I'm Matt Odegaard. Keep the faith.